Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 149 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Have you ever heard the saying, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together? In the world of running, the ability to go fast and far are often simultaneously chased. So today we're going to talk about the ability of working together to achieve tasks that may be viewed as impossible or crazy if you're trying to do it alone. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so over the past week or last weekend, there were some pretty amazing track meets and some pretty amazing feats that were accomplished in the track and field world. There's really, over this course of the whole, we can't have real track meets and sports are in a weird place, yeah. there's still people putting out amazing performances, usually with their their own little track training club. Yeah, and it's pretty amazing the way they are running these track meets. Like I saw a track meet the other day that, you know, this is just one of the many um, that are out there, that there were three runners competing against each other from three different places in the world. Like there were, they were in two were in the Mer- in America, and one was like I think in Sweden or Switzerland, mm-hmm. and they were all running. They were running the, the same race simultaneously, just virtually. Yeah, I don't know. It if was they, so cool. Like, were they actually going simultaneously? I don't know. Or I mean, did they like split it so it it looked like a straight up four? I just saw race. a little piece of it on Instagram to be honest so it looked like it, the person that had posted on Instagram was watching all three of them simultaneously so I'm guessing that they did try to do it I mean even if even if they didn't if you just record all of it yeah like there's just something exciting about watching that even if you just take the screen and split three separate things mm-hmm. someone's going to put it together and say hey whatever the starting time is this is how they're all going to go and film them together there's a lot of excitement in that there's a lot of these like professional training crews that are putting on essentially like inner squad meets mm-hmm. about, Hey, let's just have like all of the guys out of our group race against each other. Or all the girls out of the group or like pros are throwing down like online challenges. Like, Hey, I'm going to do a 5k. Who's going against me? Yeah. I like that. Nick Simmons is doing this. Nick mm-hmm. Simmons is like the previous Olympian. He won a silver medal in the 800 a few years back. I yeah. don't remember which one, um, but that's what he's doing. He just like is showing up at a high school in Eugene, Oregon saying, this is the distance I'm going to run. If you'd like to come race me, come on out. Yeah. He's and having, just random people show up. Yeah. People are showing up and then he's getting some pushback about, you don't even know who's coming up there. So yeah. obviously that's getting pushed back. But some of these track teams, like the clubs are getting together. And over the weekend, there is amazing performance by the crew out of the Bowerman track club up mm-hmm. in, in Portland. And well, the on the men's side, it was the fastest time ever run on U.S. soil for a 5K. A guy dropped like a 12.47. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, broke his own Canadian record. And, um, but the women's side had an even greater one. Okay, now the Bowerman women, who refer to themselves as Bowerman babes, they're all out there. <laughs> That's Shalane's crew. It's they her, probably yeah. did it for her as a birthday present. Sure. Yeah. Um, Cause her birthday was last week. Yes. So they've, they've <laughs> happy got, birthday. If you're listening, Shalane, I'm sure she is. <laughs> I'm sure she is. <laughs> so they've got people of all sorts of different distances and they decided they were going to highlight their 5k runners and that the rest of their runners would essentially be used as 
rabbits mm. as pace cars. Yeah. And so it was like, we need you to run 70 second laps until you can't do 70 second laps and then get out of the way. Yeah. And we're going to let these two studs do it. And so the, the two runners who ended up going first and second, both ran sub 1430 first time. Like both of them broke the previous American record. Oh the Lord. one woman broke her own American record by 10 seconds. And the, the girl who finished second also broke the American record. She just happened to finish second in the race. Ugh. So it was like... Uh, That's rough. <laughs> yeah, so Shelly Houlihan broke her own American record by 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And who's the next one? Schweiger. Yeah. Carissa Schweiger. Um, also broke the American record. But they did it because they had this pack of girls with them, in front of them, behind them, around mm-hmm. them. And then even once the rabbits were done, you know they're going around the track just screaming and cheering. So the entire thing... Well, it's like it didn't have the normal environment of a track meet. It did. Like they were all still like uniformed up and going. And every single person in that race was dedicated to these two running as fast as they possibly could. Yeah. And they ran as fast as they possibly could. Yeah, which is amazing. And just highlights that idea of, you know, that teamwork, right? The whole... It's not an anagram, and it's not a mnemonic device. This is, see, this is the same debate we had last week. Yes. It's, it's a you know team. Together, everyone achieves more. It's an acrostic. It's an acrostic. An acrostic poem. It's, there you go. That's what it is. It's that silly poem <laughs> that you had to learn how to write in like fourth or fifth grade. Oh, everybody did it, right? And you had to take your name mother. and put it vertically down the side. Oh, yeah. it was a Mother's Day card. It was card. a Mother's Day card. You had to write mother like uh, vertically, and then every letter meant something, right? Yes. So anyway, team. Together, everyone achieves more. And so that that's the idea it's an acrostic yes Yes, i knew it was an a yes it's not an anagram an anagram is that team and meat have the same letters meat as in like meat beef yeah not not team like track meat it's the other meat meat. it's the the same letters in a different order yes that's an anagram like my shirt (laughs) like like your shirt okay so anywho so that idea that team and teamwork can push us to be more than we are able to do alone right or to achieve things that we can do together versus alone so it kind of goes to the the saying that you opened with of if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together these women were trying to run the fastest 5k ever in order to do it they needed to both go far i mean because 3.12 and a half laps is not like oh, i'm just going to sprint down the straightaway yeah like it's 12 and a half laps but they also need to do it faster than they'd ever done it before mm-hmm. and that combination of fast and far required a team effort totally because you know when you have the team there they can basically take their brains out of it for the most part i mean they're still there like you still have to be in it you still have to force yourself to keep up with that person but it makes it a little bit easier that all you have to do is keep up keep with up. that person. You know, you don't have to just find and dig deeper and try to like um, push yourself forward more. Like you know that if you're running with someone that you just have to keep up with that person. Like, I mean, I've done this so many times with my running buddies um, and like in hard workouts and races, like I just need to keep up. Like I'll, I'll never forget, like in my 5K PR, I ran it with my friend and she started to get up ahead of me when we were at like the two and a half mile mark. She Mm -hmm. started to kind of pull away from me. And I was like, oh, here it comes. Like in in my head, I was 
talking myself down like oh this is the part where she pulls away because she's faster than me or whatever and she stuck her hand out and made this motion like come on like mm-hmm. she she made this come on motion like to to pull me and I was like oh wow she's still thinking about me mm-hmm. and so I was like all right now I got to go you know like in just that simple motion of her hand she didn't turn around she didn't slow down you know none of that it was like get your butt up here get your butt up here with me now, you know, I'm like, that made me push harder, right? And and if she wasn't ahead of me, I wouldn't have pushed as hard. I probably wouldn't have, I, I know I wouldn't have run that fast. No, because that was the time where it starts burning really, really hard. You need to find a reason to do it. Yeah. But instead, it hurts really hard and your brain is searching for reasons to not do it. Right. So you saw that hand go and it was like, oh, okay, I've, I've got to go now. Mm-hmm. Like I've done this. I've, I've paced many, many track workouts and people trying to hit mile PRs and various things. And sometimes the hand, you know, a little wave of the hand will get them back up on your shoulder. And sometimes I've turned around and screamed at people and it <laughs> right. gets them back up on your shoulder. It depends on what it is. It depends right. on who you're working with about whether turning around and yelling, get back up here right now. Mm-hmm. Is that going to help them? Or right. is that going to make them crumble? Correct. And it really depends on the person and the day. Yeah, because you know? sometimes that hand might be like uh, an, a motivating factor. Yep. And other times it might be like proof that you're not good enough. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's also the way that you interpret it in your mind. Completely. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about this. We're going to go into the idea of working together. And because as runners, you know, running is often seen as a solo sport, as a solo activity. You go out because it doesn't have to be, right? Like to play volleyball, you need to have other people to play with for the most part. I mean, to make it fun. Right. right. I mean, <laughs> you, you can, can like bump the ball to yourself back and forth, you know, like you can practice. You but can certainly stand playing. on one side and just keep serving. Ace. Yeah, but it's not playing volleyball, <laughs> right. right? Same thing with basketball. Like it's not, you can go out and shoot hoops by yourself, but that's not playing the game of basketball. Yeah. Running, you don't need other people. Like, I mean, you do if you want to win a race, unless you want to be the only one in it. But like, for the most part, running is a solo activity, but it's also a team activity. And this is one of the things that we talk to our cross country team specifically about, um, is how running and being a part of the cross country team is really a team sport. Yeah, it's it's very much a team, and it's kind of one of these things where um, there's a difference between the shorter distances and long distance, like ultra runners, which seems like it will be an even more solo activity because you're just really out there. But on some of these really long races, they're assisted ultras Mm -hmm. like they have a team that's literally driving around in a van and sees them every few miles Mm -hmm. to get them more gear to like get them a new pair of dry socks Mm -hmm. like. You're like, oh, well, you're running 100 miles, see at the finish line in several hours. It seems like extra solo, but there's competitions where there's assisted and there's unassisted. There are breaks along the way. If you've ever run like a half marathon and you've kind of shot your way through a water station, that's not how it's going to work at an ultra. Like you're going to actually stop at the water station. It might be a health check where you have to stop. And there, whether it's your team or the people involved in the race... It's not a solo activity on on whatever racing level you're dealing with. Right. So we're going to go a little bit more into this today. So first, we want to kind of start with the idea of, you know, I'm a self-made person. I'm a self-made runner. Like, and being self-made is a total misnomer. Oh, it's completely. And I mean, you're... You're not living in a bubble. No matter how quarantined you are right now. Yeah, if you're off the grid, you're still then not. you're probably not listening to podcasts. This is true. If you're <laughs> off the grid, you probably can't hear us. So um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> So you can't 
you cannot in fact be <laughs> self-made. This is this is my argument. Yeah. Is you made it to where you are because of the people around you, either with their help or with their hindrance. Mm -hmm. The people around you from the time you were born till now had an influence on you. Totally. Yeah. Like it, like I said, for better or for worse, right? Like yes. when we were talking about this before we started recording, like for better or for worse, your circumstances, the people around you have had an influence on you. So, you know, maybe you grew up in the perfect little family and they built, you know, you had parents that just built you into a, an incredibly well-adjusted independent person, which is how I hope to goodness we are raising our children. <laughs> that's what we're doing our best for, that's right? What, I mean, that's what every parent's really striving for, of right? Of course. Is, every you, parent wants their child to have a good life. Right. Um, sometimes they go a little further and, and maybe you've slid into role number two of maybe you can feel this just sort of drive this, you feel compelled that you have to live up to goals that have been set for you by your family. That's true. That you have to reach these things because it was important to my parents. And whether or not you even are still acknowledging that, somewhere in your head, that thought of, I have to do this so that I make my parents proud, could still be driving things that you're doing today. Right, because they rewarded accomplishment, like when you were younger. And yeah. then so that in your head has become the way that you earn their love. Like, right. is is your sense of accomplishment. Um, or maybe you just want to prove everybody wrong. You know, like maybe you grew up in a, a toxic family environment. Mm -hmm. Maybe you had people uh, around you that didn't support you and that tried to keep you down and say, oh, well, that's not what we do here. You know, like there's a lot of people that don't um, like families that discourage the children or whoever from going outside of the box, going outside of the quote unquote norm that they've built. Right. Yes, like the family that's not what zone? we do. Yeah. That's not what we do. We're so, you know, we're the Joneses or whatever it is. That's not what we do. And so maybe you just want to prove them wrong. Maybe you've had people in your lives, in your life that were very negative that told you that you weren't capable of things or that told you that you were a certain way. And there's that little voice inside your head that you're like, I just don't believe that. Like I'm going to show you, I'm going to do it this way and I'm going to succeed. And I think a lot of people who fall into that third one say, okay, so look at me. I am completely self-made. Yeah. I did it without the help of my parents because they didn't think this was possible. Mm -hmm. They 100% influenced you. You're not self-made. Your parents drove you to where you are. They didn't do it because they... They weren't Put supportive. This, yeah, it's not yeah. that they were providing support. It's not that they were setting goals and you're you're trying to like prove that you can live up to the goals. But by trying to prove them wrong, mm -hmm. that's also still having influence on you. Same thing with like people that grow up with um, addiction. You know, like there's some people that grow up in, you know, people around people that, that suffer from addiction and go down the same path. And then there's other people that go down a completely opposite path because they see the negatives of it. They see how bad it is is and they're like I am not going to live this way I'm going to completely change but if you weren't in that negative situation would that still drive you to do what you're doing now or to try to get away from it like you know the fact that it is such a negative situation can push you like in the opposite direction yeah so I mean whether it's a positive or a negative there's still influence coming from whatever that environment happened to be okay or 
we can get into your friends. Your friends have a massive influence on you. Maybe your setup and relationship with your friends is that you want to fit in with the crowd because you want to feel like you belong. We all have that underlying feeling, mm-hmm. this desire to belong with the group around us. Yeah, that's an in- innate human need. Like by like our nature, we are tribal beings. Like it's we, survival. It's survival, correct? Like because back in the day, like if you didn't, if you were a part of a group, if you were part of a tribe there is power and there is safety in numbers versus you being completely by yourself whether that's hunting for food gathering the food just being in a pack that you know could protect each other should a wild animal show up in the in the campsite um you have a much better chance of survival if you're with other people than if you're by yourself right like the most dangerous situation to be i mean you say back in the day, like way back in the day, like caveman back in the day. Right. <laughs> the worst place you could be was castigated like out of society. Mm-hmm. Where if you were solo, you weren't lasting. Well, that, all that was long. like the greatest punishment. Banishment. Banishment. Right? It would like if you did something really bad, they would banish you from town. Right. And that was the ultimate punishment. Because it was worse than death. essentially you were you were being set up for slow death. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> Yeah, it was still like you weren't going to be able to survive solo. You had to go off on your own. Right. So as human beings, we want to try to fit in with the people that we choose to surround ourselves with because we all have a sense of belonging. Like it's just there. And so you will naturally tend to act like those around you so that you fit in. So it goes back to that saying that you are the combination of the five people that you spend the most time with. So choose wisely, right? Like, who are you surrounding yourself with? Like, are your friends supportive or are they not supportive? Like, where, where do you find yourself right now? Yeah, like, are you supported by your friends or are you just simply trying to keep up mm-hmm. with your friends? Yeah, like, it brings, we, we were talking about, like, Friends episode where Rachel started smoking. Well, because Rachel was, <laughs> she was working in fashion and, like, everybody that she, at the office, they all smoked. Yeah, they would all take smoke breaks. And during the smoke break, they were having, like, a team meeting and then they went out, had a smoke break, and then came back in and had the answers decided to everything that the meeting was supposed to have. Right. And she felt like she was missing out on it yeah. so then she because she was because she was yeah so she tried to figure out how she could start smoking mm-hmm. so that she could be part of the group and it was the funniest thing because she knew that this was like big picture terrible health thing but that's how she was going to stay in with the group and then they all started smoking and they all started complaining about smoking and how oh i should really quit and she goes yes we should all quit together mm-hmm. But none of them actually wanted to quit. Right. So she tried to drag them out of smoking, and then it pushed herself to the outside again. And mm-hmm. it was like, ah, I've, I've, I've ruined it. Because again, she she was isolated, and the key was being in the group. Right. Whether you accept that the group is doing the right or wrong thing, you just want to be part of the group. That's why you have to choose the group really, really carefully. Absolutely. You know, like, so are your friends like-minded you know are do you do you have people around you that support your health and your fitness do you have people around you that encourage the running like when you're a part of a running group and you've got people waiting for you at five o'clock in the morning that's a lot easier to get out of bed and get there than just relying solely on your own motivation to get up and get out the door yeah no it's a, it's a really good point and right now we're 
you know, a lot of these running groups and like, oh, well, I, I meet up with all of these people during the day. A lot of that's not, not happening as much. Mm-hmm. And so some of the, your running friends may be virtual friends, like knowing that, all right, when I finish this, I'm going to post my workout. Or you could literally tell a friend, tell a running buddy the night before, this is what I'm doing tomorrow morning. And it's it's out there. It mm-hmm. just provides some sense of accountability. Yeah, I have a friend in Cincinnati right now that texts us like she like was a running buddy of ours, and she moved away. And so she's like, I, she still sometimes texts us and says, "I'm going to get up and do this at this time just for the accountability." Right, because that helps her. Just by putting it out there, right. then you feel compelled that you you should do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've had workouts, I've had runs where I'm like, all right, I'm going to post about this on Facebook afterwards. And I tell myself beforehand, I'm going to post about this. So whatever the results are, this is going to get posted about because I told myself that I'm going to do that mm-hmm. out there. Right. Right. So obviously your social circle and your friendships have an influence over you. So again, not totally self-made. And then our education also influences us, right? Your education influences you. So between the formal school lessons to the lessons like learned in childhood, there are things that influence you that you may or may not even realize, you know, like my sister likes to joke around that because like I was always very smart growing up and always got good grades in school. And she would joke, she's like, well, you've got book smarts, but I've got street smarts. And so, but both of them are important. And we, we all, all of that, all of us have both. I just, I like that you have a perfect impression of her. You and your sister, when you do impressions of each other, are, they're so spot on. They're really fantastic. Well, we've been doing it for a very for long, a long time. time. Right, exactly. Picking on each other for a very long time. <laughs> but I mean, these are lessons, whether they were lessons that you learned while sitting in a desk in school, or you learned on the playground at school, mm-hmm. or you learned from child, like there was education that came into your life at all stages. And the earlier you learned it, there was like this very, uh, the, the part of your life where your brain is just a sponge, where it's just taking in these things and saying, oh, this is how things are. If this happens, then this is the result of it. It's, it's, you're forming all these beliefs and you're forming them when you're like eight. And then those things are still showing up decades and decades later that that was a lesson that I learned a long time ago. Even the concept of education itself, you start forming beliefs about how you can learn, about whether you're good at learning, about whether you like being taught, about whether you prefer to teach yourself subjects that someone somewhere along the way told you you were good at or you were bad at. I've got kids who come in every single year to to my chemistry class and they're like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to be very good at this because I'm not that good at math. Mm -hmm. Since when? Yeah. Like, who told you that? Their sixth grade math teacher. Exactly. Like, it could have been. You know, it could have been their parents, you know? Like, it could have been their parents saying that they weren't good at math, so then the child thinks, well, if mom's not good at math, I can't be good at math. Like, you know, like, you can adopt beliefs based on either your parents or the people around you or your teachers, like... Based on getting one bad grade. One bad grade and suddenly it was like, oh, well, I did really bad on that test. I must not be good at this. Yeah. I was good at this, but now it's gotten too difficult and now I'm not good at it anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like, really? It was one one sign. You've got 400 signs that you're good at this area, one that you're not. Let's dwell on the one. But that's what we do as human beings. 100% is what we do. Again, that's that protective mechanism. Like, so, you know, in running, like, say you go out and you try to run a race for the first time, you know, you're 
you go out and race your first half marathon and it goes terribly. Maybe you didn't prepare well for it. Maybe you didn't get good enough sleep. Maybe you didn't fuel properly, whatever it might be. And you're like, oh yeah, I guess I'm not a runner. Like, I guess, I, I guess I am not made for this kind of distance. I should never do that again. Wow. You took it all the way. I was going to say, maybe I'm not good for a half marathon, but you went straight to maybe I'm not a runner. You know, people do that. hundred percent people you know, do that. People, they, there's so many different levels of it, right? Like, oh, I just ran a 5k. Yeah. I, I completed it, but I was the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this, this shouldn't be for me. Right. And I mean, you said I just ran a 5k as in like I did it yesterday, but there's also people that come out and say, oh, well, I just mm-hmm. ran a 5k. So I'm not a runner right? because there were other people on that same day. It was a marathon, half marathon and 5k. And I only did the 5k. I only did the 5k. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and there were people that are constantly trying to qualify these kinds of things. Right. But going back to like our education and like growing up, the actual lessons that you learn are affected by your interaction with the teacher or with the authority figure, whoever that might be, right? Because your family, your friends, the teachers, they all create this environment in which you receive these lessons, right? Because everybody, there are so many people in the classroom and not all of the kids in the classroom are receiving the same education. And it's not because they're not all learning the same exact material because they are, but they're receiving it differently based on how they are interpreting how the teacher is reacting to them, what their classmates are saying, what their family is saying, like all of these other outside factors that, that are they, affecting it. They just got in a fight with their girlfriend on their way to class. Mm-hmm. Like I've had kids roll into the classroom and you can just see them the way they come in. They say good morning on Monday. They say good morning on Tuesday. They say good morning on thir- on Wednesday. And on Thursday, they grumbled into the class and slumped down in their chair. They're not learning anything that day. It doesn't matter how amazing of a presentation I put up on the front. They're learning nothing on that day. The environment is a huge influence on this. The kids who walk into my class at the beginning of chemistry and tell themselves, whether they say it out loud or it's in their head, I'm not good at math. When we start doing areas of the subject that are more math-based, they check out before I've even presented it. I could start it by saying, all right, this is a really simple thing. Just follow along this, get your calculators out. As soon as I use the word calculator, they think, ooh, this is math. I can't do it anymore. Like the way that you interpret what that lesson is going to be before it's even presented to you has a huge effect on whether you're actually going to be able to learn the lesson in front of you. Mm, exactly. So as as we can see here, you know, there's so many different things that influence us. So there really is no such thing as being self-made because we are not in a bubble. No, no matter how small our circle might be, there's all of these things throughout our entire lives that have been completely affecting how we like who we are today, how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive our abilities. And so we tend to let those things just roll over into so many areas of our life without even thinking about it. And so today we want to just kind of challenge those ideas that you might have about yourself and start and ask you to just start thinking a little bit differently. You know, there's a lot of people that have the qualifiers, right? That either don't think of themselves as runners or they put some sort of qualifier on it and a lot of times it's a negative qualifier. It's you know? almost always a negative qualifier. You know, I put up a, a post in our Facebook tribe the other day, though, and a lot of people were using positive, and that made me so happy. You well, know? Hopefully people are listening to the podcast <laughs> and realizing that positive qualifiers so. are a great thing. I hope so. So, you know, your circle from friends to family to past education to teammates all affect you, right? So you can use those things to your advantage because – 
again, together, everyone achieves more. Going back to that idea of team, like who is on your team? Like now this can be your running team or your just life team in general. Yes, yes. That's the thing is it's not just running. It very much falls right in the category of running is you're not a self-made runner. You've had a lot of influences. Maybe you decided to get into it all on your own. It didn't come out of nowhere. Something gave you the inspiration to start. Right. That helped the inspiration. Maybe you Maybe saw- you watched the Olympics. Sure. Yeah. Something helped inspire you to get out the door and start doing it. And then maybe you asked a couple of questions. Maybe you're learning stuff from this podcast. Maybe there's another one. You read a book. You subscribe to Runner's World. Like there's a lot of things that could have influenced your knowledge about what it is that you do to run. But ultimately, you're not coming up with all of these running influences on your own. It's not just coming out of nowhere inside of yourself. Like something in the outside world affected you and decided this is not only am I going to go go out and run, but this is how I'm going to go out and run. Mm-hmm. Like you've got something that's inspiring it. Could be like a PE class you had in third grade. Mm-hmm. This is how I get in shape. Yeah. You're like, are you still out there doing toe touches? Because I did those in fifth grade and, and like <laughs> at the start of football practice. Right, but it could be like as simple as like you driving down the street and seeing someone out running. Like, oh, I should go home and do that. Like if that person can do it, I can do it. Right. Like it could be something as simple as that. Like I know that, you know, back when I first started running, one of the things that actually influenced me to run the half marathon was watching the people on the biggest loser run a full marathon I was like well if they can do it I can do it like it was just one of those things that if they you know so maybe there's a friend that you have in your life Um, maybe there's a family member or whatever that started their running journey and you're like well I should probably do that too. I should probably do that. Like when I go back and I think about how I got into running, it's weird to realize the number of runners that I had in my life that I didn't realize were runners because mm-hmm. I didn't know them as runners. I, like the one of my babysitters when I was a little kid, he ran through high school. Mm-hmm. I never knew that. I never like went to a cross country meet and watched him run, but he ran. Like he, that was just that was the thing that he did. Our neighbor across the street, two doors down, he was an ultra marathoner. Oh, cool. We Before never... ultras were cool. Right. Like <laughs> back when like you would go do the ultra and it was like you and 15 other people yeah. and they were trying to compete like a hundred miler. Like he regularly tried to finish Western States because he would just do it every year. Now you have to like win the lottery just to even get to the starting line of mm-hmm. Western States. That was just what he did. Right. And we never went and watched him run. But the fact that that was a thing that a normal person who lived across the street from me did made it seem like that wasn't a crazy idea mm-hmm. to go off and run for 100 miles. Right. So no matter who you're around, your circle affects you, right? So why don't we start looking at our circle for the good, you know, that it provides to us like excellent and and see okay so if we're struggling with motivation right um maybe this this is definitely something that a lot of people complain about when i ask them like what they need help with what are you struggling with right now especially right now in the time of covid um I'm struggling with motivation. Okay, so find an accountability partner, right? That's a good solution. Find, like Kevin was saying before, by just having someone that knows he's going to do something, like it doesn't even have to be someone that you're meeting up with in person. It can be, you know, if you're comfortable running with somebody or if you're comfortable running um, with a small group, then great, like find an accountability partner, find a local running group. Um, But if not, if you still want to maintain the distance and all of that, 
then find an accountability partner online. Like you can, or a friend of yours, like maybe you have a runner that is a friend that you just are like, you know what, I'm going to start texting you or I'm going to start calling you and letting you know about my run or letting you know that I did it just, just to say, yep, checked it off. Yeah. And you don't like, don't look at that running partner friend and be like, oh, but then I'm going to be putting them out. I'm going to be inconveniencing them. If I have to like text them every day, you know what runners love to do? Talk about running. Yeah. So you send them a text that says, Hey, I'm going to do this run tomorrow. Mm -hmm. They're going to be excited. They might even have suggestions, ask you where you're doing it. Like it's just going to spur conversation. If they're Mm -hmm. your friend, this is going to be fine. Adding in an extra thing about, Hey, I'm going to start running or I'm going to run tomorrow morning. I'm going to like, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. this is just positive. Totally. Like, I mean, when I have people that text me with that like I'm like sweet that's awesome let me know more you know like how can I support you in this like that is to me the best thing if someone decides that they're gonna use me as an accountability partner fantastic you know you love that line how can I support you how can I support you support you better like that's an important question to ask right like do you want me to text you and like ask you if you did it because some people would not like that you know some people are like no I just want to be able to text you and I'm like okay Okay. that's fine I'm here you know so it's one of those things that like when you are struggling with something somehow when you share that struggle with someone else and both of you are struggling together, it makes it not as bad. Like there's a certain, you know, buddy that I do like my hard speed workouts with. And that's what she says. She says like, you're the person I do hard things with because there's just something about struggling together and pushing together that makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. Somehow shared misery is less miserable. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of weird. Right. But it's, but it's true. And I think any of us, And that goes for running and that goes for anything in our lives. Like if you can share that experience with someone else, with another human being, that makes it easier. It makes it more tolerable. It makes it more manageable. Yes, because then, well, that thing is difficult. At least you have human connection. At least you have Mm -hmm. support. At least you feel like you're not alone in doing this. Mm -hmm. Doing something alone makes it feel that much harder. It makes it feel like it's all on me. Even if that other person is not directly there helping, just feeling that there's a support coming from them, that really helps. Yep. And so, you know, kind of along with the motivation thing, if people are struggling with motivation, other people might just say, well, I'm just so inconsistent, right? It's, they're kind of similar, they're very much related. related. But like, if you struggle with inconsistency, then watch how consistent you become when you are surrounded with other people that are consistent. Like we see it all, all the time in our real life runners tribe, which is awesome. It's like, well, I wasn't going to do this today, but so-and-so went out and did it. I saw so-and-so's post about how they did this. So I decided I had to go out and do the same thing. Right. And I mean, you can, you can point to specific posts and this happens all the time in the tribe. If I saw this person did it, But instead of just mindlessly scrolling through whatever social media, if you go to, I mean, I love, I love to go to the tribe and just, and scroll through that and be like, oh, well, this person got this run in, they got this workout in, they did this workout. Mm -hmm. This person was running hill repeats. And it's not that that's what I'm going to go do, but look at all of these people, what they've done. Mm -hmm. They did something and they've did it. And I saw them post yesterday and the day before that and the day before that when 
the people around you are so consistent about getting the workout in, then it doesn't become this thing in your head about, wow, this is going to be really, really hard for me to do. It's just a natural thing for you to do. Because it's the norm. It's the norm. Yeah, it becomes you the norm of the group. You want to fit in with the crowd. Right. It becomes the norm of the group. Like if you are surrounding yourself with the right people, then you want to also be doing the same things that they're doing. And that yeah. is the big positive of finding a group, right? It, it can be seen as a negative if you're around the wrong people. But if you are around like-minded people that have goals and that want to better themselves and they're trying to get faster or run longer or just push themselves to improve their running, to improve their health in different ways, like that's going to push you to do the same thing. So that's the group that you want to be a part of. Yeah. You want to be in the group that helps, helps lift you up without like, sometimes it's a bit of a stretch to, to make sure that you're into that group, but as long as that group is supportive, as long as you can go into that group without judgment of yourself that you don't quite belong in that group yet, you're going to start feeling that this is in fact part of your group. Mm -hmm. You're just going to naturally pick up the habits of that. You know, I see this from my teacher perspective all the time of um, the kids who ask if they can go into an honors class mm -hmm. the next year. It's like, well... Maybe like you were doing okay in the like regular college prep level, you'd probably be okay in the honors class, but just by putting them in that class, now they start gaining the habits, the study habits and realizing the effort level needed to, to operate in that, in that mm -hmm. higher class because they're surrounded with other people who are prioritizing their work ethic, their study habits and stuff. And so they just see, oh, this is a normal thing. In in the in the previous class, maybe it's like, eh, most of the time I just try and get my homework done in like five minutes before a class starts. When you go to that next level, it's like, oh, no, 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 we prioritize this. When you surround yourself with runners who are getting up every day at five in the morning to get in their run, then getting up at five in the morning to get in your run doesn't seem ridiculous no it seems abnormal not to do it right right like that like that's the whole idea of playing up right like yes. they're like when you have a child that's in sports teams like do you want to, them to be the best in like the oldest and the best in their group or do you want them to play a level up so that they're not the best you know so that they can then rise up like it improves their performance it improves their abilities because they have higher things to achieve they have higher goals to hit because there are already people that are better than them you know it's, it's this whole idea of leveling up and that goes for sports that goes for running that goes for life and career and professional development it goes for everything it's uh it's connected to the uh in once a runner they call it the top dog theory mm -hmm. of the kid who like it if you've never read the book once a runner first off you should read the book once a runner um but there was the the kid it's it follows a group of of collegiate runners and and then the professional runner who like runs with them. And so anyway, they, they bring in this freshman recruit who was a stud in high school. Always the best. He won all of his races. He was the best guy on his team always. Now he's a freshman. And so they go off on a run and he's, he, he, you know, the term one-stepping, he's five-stepping the group. Oh, God. And there's a professional athlete with them. Mm -hmm. There's a guy who's trying to, to break four minutes in the mile. That's the character that you follow through. And he goes, all right, I'll catch you later. I'm going to go take care of the top dog. And it's like, 
that kid was always used to being the best. Right. But as long as in his head he's the best, then he doesn't have to push that hard because he's already the best. So suddenly Quentin, the like main character of it, is out there and he's trucking along next to him like, oh, feeling pretty good this morning as he just gradually drops the pace down to like five minute pace for their distance run. And the kid ends up just like gasping for breath because it's like, oh, oh, I see. I need to make sure that my easy days are easy so that I can then push on the hard days. It's not just go out there and be better than everybody every day. It's put in the work each day and and know your spot on the team so mm-hmm. that you can keep rising up to greater. Right, because you know when you surround yourself with people that are doing these things and those things are the norm and you also surround yourself with people that are better than you in different ways, right? And and that's not I'm not saying that as a negative thing. I'm seeing that as a positive thing. Like you want to be surrounded yourself with people who are a little bit ahead of you like I enjoy running with and training with people that are a little bit faster than me even though like some people are like well I wouldn't want to do that because that's going to make me feel bad about myself like no like that's how I'm going to like get pulled into becoming faster you know and that's what's helped me to get one of the things that have helped me to get faster is of course not only your perfect training plans (laughs) which I follow to a T um, (laughs) like every other runner out there right I mean but it's also having the ability to run with other runners some of which are faster than me and some of which can pull me outside of my comfort zone and so you know this is the positive side of that quote of if does that if everybody else jumped off a bridge would you jump off too and you know if you're surrounding yourself with the right people like you kind of Sometimes you do. The answer is the answer is yes. Yeah. You just don't surround yourself with people that are going to go jump off of a bridge. No, you just surround yourself with people that are going to run really fast up a bridge. Yes. And then down the other side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if you find people if if you understand what it is that you want and then you find people that are aiming for similar goals and the goals don't have to be identical. This is what people get caught up in of like, "Oh, well, I don't want to train you know, I don't want to, to have my accountability partner be a person who's, I don't know, let's just go crazy. Someone who's trying to break 15 minutes for a 5K, I'm trying to break 30 minutes for a 5K. Okay, but the numbers are different, but your goals are still the same. Your goals are still trying to see how big of a push you can you can do in a 5K. You're trying to see how fast you can go. Maybe you're trying to see how far you can go. Your paths don't need to be identical. Just because one person's working out like two a days or running six days a week and your schedule has you go three days a week, you're still working out you're still kind of aiming for similar improvements in health. You want to see what you can do to push your body. So there's still a connection. People are always like, ah, I don't connect to like the Olympic level athletes. They're a completely different person. Are they? Like there's still a person who still has all these, you know, back influences on their life. Who's just trying to see every day what they can do with their body. Yeah. Isn't that what we all are out there doing on a run? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I think that that's, a, it's, it's easy though to separate ourselves, right? Because that protects us. Like yeah. it, we don't have to think of ourselves the same as an Olympic level athlete out there pushing every day, every day, every day, you know, trying to get better and faster and stronger because they are them and I am me. Like it's a different, it's a, it's a protective mechanism, right? Yeah. It's, it's one of our self-defense things. So, you know, going back to this idea of, you know, trying to find the right group and trying to find people that, that share 
the same or similar goals and are are like-minded individuals. You know, we value health, family, happiness. Like those are some of our biggest core values, both in our personal lives and in our company. You know, that's part of what we do is help runners to balance all of it and and balance looks different you know this balance doesn't mean a perfectly you know perfectly balanced like I spend 50% of my time with my family and 50% of my time here or 30 30 30 you know or well 33.3 yes but you know what I'm saying like it, it doesn't mean everything is equally balanced it means that you have to find a balance that works for you and happiness and health may look different for different people but the value is still there the value is still you know what these things are very important to me I am trying to figure out what that looks like in my life and what that looks like in my life is different than what it might look like in your life right so even though two different people could say I really want to value my overall health both physically and mentally but I also really want to make sure that I'm valuing my happiness I want to spend time with my family two people could try could literally strive for those priorities and just the way that it falls out looks a little bit different but they're still going to have similar struggles like what am i supposed to do in this scenario mm-hmm. and you can work with each other and you can be like oh that's how it worked out for them i'm not sure that's exactly how it worked out for me maybe one person's like oh well i wait until the kids go to bed and then i get my run in late at night or i set up my kids with lunch and then i go off for a run in the middle of the day which i do not advise because it's seven billion degrees outside right now maybe they have a treadmill maybe they've got a treadmill yeah but Everyone's going to try and figure out how to set out that sort of combination of these things. It's not a balance. It's trying to work all of these goals simultaneously Mm -hmm. that gets you to feeling a a sense of satisfaction and knowing that other people are also trying to work that same balance, whether the answer is that you both end up on the same schedule or not. Just the fact that you're both struggling with it is is really uniting. It's really um, empowering that you're not doing it alone. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So bringing this all back to running, okay, with running, many people want to run farther and faster. And these don't have to be separate goals, but we do have to kind of figure out which one is the priority. You know, like a lot of times when when people come into like our coaching program, we'll say, okay, what what are your goals right now? And we'll say, do you want to run farther? Like you want to start increasing your mileage and taking on like longer distances? Do you want to get faster where you are right now? And they're like, well, I want to do all of it. Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to get healthier? I want, I, yes. Yes, please. The answer is yes. <laughs> it's like, okay, great. Um, and, and that's fine if we want to look long term and we can kind of, you know, plan this whole thing out, map it out. We can achieve all of these goals, but at any given time, we do need to pick one that is our top goal. Like we have to like kind of rank them in order of priority. Right. And just because that's, that's your first goal doesn't mean that you're not also going to influence the second one. Because it will. Like if you want to run further and so you just start adding more mileage to it, you're going to get faster. It's Mm -hmm. going to happen. Like just simply by increasing pure, like slow cardio, it will also increase your speed. If you do it at the right effort level. Yeah. And don't burn yourself out and get injured first. Exactly. So, which is what we teach our clients. Which is a little, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's some nuance to it, but if you simply run further safely, you will also get faster along the way. Right. But if if your goal is to run further, then after you've been you know chasing that goal for a certain amount of time, then you can look at where you are. You can actually put in like a physical checkpoint and be like, all right, now let's see if I can run for this long or for this distance. 
if your goal is fast and far, what's what is the check that you're going to put in at the end? Mm-hmm. Are you going to see, can I cover this distance? Can I go for this time? Or are you going to say, can I cover this distance as fast as possible? That's trying to hit two goals simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And then it gets into a, well, I made it that distance, but I didn't go that fast. So did you achieve your goal or not? It just gets convoluted. So you got to prioritize. Well, you have to prioritize and then you have to clearly define what success looks like. Yes. Like, I think that's the key too. And like a lot of times people will set goals that are just very nebulous, right? Like I want to improve as a runner. Like, but but what does that mean? You know, like Kevin said, do you want to run further? Do you want to run 10 miles, you know, or do you want to run 10 miles at a certain pace? Like what does success look like for you? Because that is super important. It, it reminds me of the scene in, what's the, what's the movie, American Beauty with Kevin Spacey? You're better at movies than I am, <laughs> where, I don't know. Where he's trying to like actually get in shape and he asks the, the guys who live next door who always get out and run. They're like the, the runners of the neighborhood. He, he goes, I want to start running. And they're like, well, what do you want to do with it? He goes, I want to look better naked. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was his goal. <laughs> there you go. Um, so better is subjective then, right? What does that look like? Yeah. He he was rocking bike shorts by the end and he just, he had greater self-confidence. And that was the thing is if you, if you dug in, you know, it's a movie. So they kind of skip past this part, but from, from the perspective of coach, like why, what's beyond that? And ultimately he wanted to be happier with himself. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was the underlying thing is he didn't feel a sense of Mm self-pride, you know? Yeah. So back, back to running, like, you know, if you want to run farther and faster, um, both of these can be considered improving as a runner, right? So if you are around other people who are also looking to improve as runners, that's going to help bring these goals a little bit closer to you. Like it's going to help you feel more motivated to achieve them because you're around other people that are trying to do similar things. Like, like you said, like it doesn't have to be the exact same goal, but if someone else is around you is trying to also get faster, you can, you can talk about the struggles of it. You can celebrate each other's achievements. Like being around other people won't make that goal seem so crazy. Right. And you can be around other people who are also in the big umbrella of, I want to improve as a runner, whether they want to improve by running faster, running farther, running longer, running like healthier, stronger, whatever Mm -hmm. the the topic is. If it's under the umbrella of improve as a runner, you still have that connection with them. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you might have a, a, more uh, deeper connection if you find a, a, a running buddy who also wants to get faster to have a, a more similar goal right yeah but if you can see that we're all really connected under the big un- umbrella of improve as a runner like that's too nebulous to have as your personal goal right but if you're like well i want to run faster and he wants to run farther you both want to improve as a runner right so, so it's you can just, see the connection it's a method of connection yes. right and it's a way that you can find your your people you know because if you're around runners they understand it they get it they understand the crazy right like being around non-runners will make these goals seem silly like if you are talking to someone that is not a runner they're like well why does that matter or like the best is like why does that matter why does that matter or um is that good right like like you say um oh i want to i'm really trying to break 30 minutes in the 5k and they're like oh is that good Will (laughs) will you win the race if you do that it's like, well, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to win the race. Like the guy that's winning is probably running like 15 minutes and they're like, oh, well, 
well, so then why do you want to break 30? Like, why wouldn't you want to, like, run 15? Right, like, it doesn't make like, sense Like, they don't understand it. Like, no connection. <laughs> right? But, like, you know, when you're talking about running goals with non-runners, they just don't get it. No, I mean, the other day for my birthday, I woke up and I ran 39 laps of our of our neighborhood. Yeah. That was a long distance, and it was a lot of repeated laps. And a couple days before, there's there's a guy who lives also in the neighborhood who asked, you know, how my running was going. And I told him that I was going to do this on Sunday for my birthday. Didn't even phase him. Like, he didn't even blink. He was like, oh, that'll be, like, for, for the birthday. That makes sense. Yeah. Like it, just, it made sense to him. It wasn't like 39 laps. Why? If you want to cover that distance, why wouldn't you just go out and run that distance? Right. Like, it just made sense of like, oh, I get it. 39 laps for 39 years. So off you go. Yeah. Like, he didn't question it. It was mm-hmm. just like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's <laughs> funny because, like, I saw him that morning that you were doing it. He, yes. like, walked by. And actually, he walked by while I was doing the live video. And I, yes. like, said hello to him. And... I was like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, he's a little nutty. And he goes, I think it's awesome. Like, that was just his response. You know, and it's funny because I said it's a little nutty and I am a runner and I understand everything that what you're doing, but I'm used to talking to non-runners, right? right. And so you, you like, you qualify it and we like, just that comment is was me trying to like make it smaller. Like, oh yeah, he's just nutty. Like, oh, we're just crazy. Like, yeah, just a runner. Like, you know, you're, you're trying to... I don't know, like, I don't want to say make your goal smaller, but you, you change how you speak about things when you're speaking to different groups of people. Yes, because if you really kind of flesh out a lot of the details about what we do as runners yeah. and you explain, like, your workout schedule for seven days out of the week, like, this is what I do on Monday and Tuesday, and like, and you kind of nail it, not mm-hmm. just like what you're doing, but what time of the day you're doing it so you can get it in. And you do that to a group of people who have never run before. They will have checked out by Wednesday and thought that you are insane. So pick your group wisely, yeah. pick your surroundings, pick your, your teammates, you know, choose your team. Mm-hmm. And if you surround yourself with people who don't look at you with this, like just completely puzzled well you're out of your freaking mind look on their face but look at you of like oh I kind of like the way that you did that maybe I should adjust my schedule Mm because that seems like a really good idea or wow I'm not there yet but that's a really cool plan I like to see what you're doing or you know maybe they've got a suggestion on how you might be able to tweak a couple of days Mm -hmm. surround yourself with people who aren't thrown off by whatever that runner quote-unquote craziness is that you do but look at it as wow that's that's a fantastic thing and it makes sense it makes sense right because like in running and in life you need other people to help you reach your goals so like we said at the very beginning of this episode, you are not a self-made individual. You are affected by every other person around you. So choose your circle wisely. Choose who you allow to have influence over you. And I don't think that we all think about this sometimes. Like there are a lot of times we take things that other people say to us and we internalize them and we allow those things to make us question ourselves or make us feel bad or make us question whether or not we're, we have the right goals or we're going in the right direction. And um, I think that this is really important to, to know because you get to choose who has an influence over you. Like you get to choose whose opinion of you matters to you. And this is one of the beautiful things I've taken away from one of my favorites authors, Brene Brown, is like she's like, you know, 
her big quote in Daring Greatly was from Teddy Roosevelt. And it was basically um, that it's it's not the, the spectators wh- whose opinions matter. It's the people that are in the arena, that are getting dirt on their face, that are in there struggling and, you know, day after day after day, the ones that are getting knocked down and getting back up, those are the opinions that matter. And so, you know, she, she talks about how when she first started coming out more in public with her speeches and, and people were starting to talk really negatively about her, that she used to let those things affect her. And she's gotten to the point where she doesn't now because she she now takes on the idea of well unless you're in the arena with me your opinion doesn't matter i, I don't need your I do, opinion I don't from care. the outside right like if you're not in the arena getting dirt knocked on you and getting knocked down and getting back up again you have no ground you have no leg to stand on to tell me that i'm doing it wrong yeah so from the running perspective have you laced up cuz if not i don't care right like that's really the the idea and this doesn't mean that you can't have non-running friends. Of course not. Like one of the huge things that Just I don't think, talk about running with them. <laughs> right. But this was I think one of the big things that got me through high school is I had some friends who did not care at all what I ran in the track meet the day before. And sometimes that's a good thing. I, I was listening to a, an interview with Mary Kane and she said one of the best things about I mean she set so many uh, age group records and high school records going through high school. She said she had a lot of really close friends that were not on the running team mm-hmm. that they knew that she ran and they knew that she was fast, but they had no idea of the details because it just didn't matter to their relationship. Mm-hmm. And so as long as she kept them separate, they were this awesome support system that was like, well, I actually didn't just break the national record last night. Like I was aiming for. Well, cool. I'm going to go talk to this person because they don't care. Right. And it, it, in a way that that can take the pressure off. Yeah, it gave her a safe space. Yeah, exactly. So it's important for us, you know, to start with some sort of personal reflection to figure out what you want because then that makes the goal more meaningful. And then we have to kind of pick the group that we're going to travel the path with, right? Like yes. it's, it's like a somebody out on an expedition. If you're going to go out on, on an exploration and you're going to go to a new city, like you need a support system. You shouldn't travel alone. You should travel in a group for safety, but you also should choose carefully who is in your group. Yes, make make a good choice on who's in your group. You know, socially distance if you're actually traveling to a new city. Be, <laughs> be six very, feet apart. Be very careful who your guide is. And where you're going. Um, but yeah, so you, you decide what you want and then you build your crew around around you that will help you get to that goal. Mm. Don't just say, well, this is the people I have around me. So I'm going to get to this goal with these people. If the people around you are not going to help you get to that goal, find new people. And that doesn't mean you have to exclude the people who are already around you, your friends and family, Mm -hmm. that if you want them around you, that's great. But if they're not going to help you get to your running goal, you need a running team also. You Mm -hmm. need that community that will help you get there too. Right. And sometimes that running team can then become your support system in other areas of life and vice versa. 100%. You know, that's something that I've found that's so beautiful is like, you know, when you start to connect with other runners and they understand you on this deep level, because as a runner, you're trying to improve prove yourself as a person. That's what running is. Running is a form of personal development. You're trying to push yourself further or faster or do something that's outside of your comfort zone. That's helping you grow as a person. So oftentimes your teammates, the other people that run with you or that run virtually with you or that supporting you virtually, you know, those are the people that you start to become the closest with because they're also doing it too. So they are like-minded individuals outside of just running like they are like-minded individuals in life as well and that's why I think you know 
me and my my running buddies and I, we talk about how quickly you become close with someone when you have when you become running buddies, you know, because there's not much that is off limits off the table. Right. And I mean, it goes to literally the foundation of, of our company, real life runners is we're out there and we're running, but we're also running our lives. So when you get people who are driven to succeed in the world of running, they're usually pretty driven to succeed in other worlds. If you can see how your ability to push within the running side of your life can expand to the other side, then you start seeing all sorts of limits that you can start breaking through. Yep, exactly. So we encourage you guys to just take a look at the people around you. Are you surrounding yourself with other like-minded individuals that are going to support you in your journey? Or are you surrounding yourself with people that are trying to hold you down or pull you back? Um, And just kind of take a look at that and take a good look at it and see if you want to maybe start bringing new people into your circle um, and trying to connect with other people that might be doing something similar to you. And if you need that kind of connection, if you need to find a group of people, we encourage you to, to join the tribe. If you're not a part of our Real Life Runners tribe yet, I know we've talked about it and referenced it multiple times in this episode, you can go to realliferunnerstribe.com and just submit your name and email there. And then you will be directed to our private Facebook group. It's a free Facebook group that's filled with people from around the world. Like literally, I think we have someone on every continent except maybe Antarctica at this point. I don't think we have Antarctica. I don't think so. Um, But, you know, pretty much every other continent is represented. And um, so there are people in there that are just there to support each other. You know, if you have a great run, you celebrate it. If you have a crappy run, there's other people that will, you know, kind of commiserate with you. But they're there. And um, it's important for you guys to to have that sort of connection. So we invite you to become a part of our tribe over at realliferunnerstribe.com. So as always, guys, thank you so much for spending this time with us. We appreciate you. We thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends and family, for going out there every day and becoming the best version of yourself in both your running and your life. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 149. Now get out there and run your life.